Welcome. My name is William Dvorak, and I'm a fractional CTO. I build minimum viable products for essentialist entrepreneurs. And today, we're starting to talk about minimum viable products, lean startups, building your prototype, building your software, um, architecting, all that stuff. So today, I'm going to run through an article um, that I wrote about mistakes making minimum viable products and we're gonna go from there my company is MVP engineer and I build software for startups so here we're gonna start uh, with 12 mistakes building your MVP minimum viable product and what you can do instead so I've built a ton of minimum viable products um, I've worked for Google was there for four years on a number of different teams, built the Zagat app, the restaurant curation app from scratch under the, under the purview of a trillion dollar company of Google. Started with zero lines of code and launched to tens of thousands of users and built dozens more for clients and, and for myself. Um, so I, I distilled a couple of lessons and a couple of things to, to take home. Uh, to not do in your MVP and your minimum viable product. So the first thing is not hyper-focusing. It must be hyper-focused. It must be so focused and only one thing. We're only looking at a single problem, a single demographic. You want your demographic to be small, very specific, not broad. Uh, you're not Google you're not going to launch to hundreds of thousands of people, you're not going to launch to millions of people, you're going to launch to a hundred. And those people have to have something very specific in common. Um, and, and you have to delight them. So that's the, that's the purpose, that's, that's what you want to do. Be super focused. So uh, let's see, some examples You don't want to launch to retail investors or um, school teachers or real estate agents. Those categories are too large. Those are huge categories. There's tens of millions of people in those categories. You might want to launch to elementary school math teachers or real estate agents only selling single single family duplexes to two unit uh, duplexes or or these multifamily units um, those those have much more manageable uh, demographic or, or number of people but more importantly just they have more in common. You can get specific about what you're offering them because you're not trying to be McDonald's. You're not trying to be everything to everyone. So again, here we see we're looking to get diehard fans and broaden from there. We don't want we don't want to try and get everybody to like us. We want to get a tiny number of people to love us. Um, the next thing is if you build everything bespoke. You don't want to do that. You don't want to build a lot of custom software. 
it's just it's it's not worth your time it's not worth your energy it's not worth your money what you want to do is pull from off-the-shelf libraries off-the-shelf APIs steal code from other places use the code of people that have published to the open source community use those things and apply them to your new business context there's already tons of tools that do natural language processing and text generation and sending emails, of course, right? All of these things have libraries, have APIs, have tools that you can take off the shelf. And what you want to do is pay somebody to integrate it and pull, pull together the couple of APIs that you're going to use and then apply it to your business use case and have a, a solid UX to deliver to the user. Don't build everything bespoke. Outsourcing for the first time. You don't want to outsource if, you're, if you've never outsourced a task before. There's a pretty big learning curve to outsourcing. Um, language barriers, as well as task definition, time zone issues. Um, but task, task generation and, and task communication and then follow-up and verification and validation is very difficult and if you want to hire a software engineer for $30 an hour you get what you pay for you have to have tremendous skill in making sure that they don't spend 10 hours building the wrong thing because you can hire somebody you know a Google engineer for $300 an hour and they'll spend 30 minutes on the task and they'll know what you're talking about or you know, you can hire somebody for, for 20 bucks, 30 bucks, and there'll be lots of back and forth and lots of your time, lots of their time spending, building the wrong stuff. So outsourcing for the first time, don't do it. Not building something polished and lovable. You want your MVP to be polished. You want it lovable. You want it a rough draft. You want it to have errors. And you want to do that while you're sending it to family and friends, to the, the your close-knit group of people that want to see you succeed, that want to see you build a good product, that want to give you feedback, right? You want it early. You want to get early feedback. But once you make it broad and once you distribute to the public and to a stranger, somebody you've never met, it needs to be polished. There can't be gross errors, especially in the happy path. If you are doing just the standard sign-up flow and there's an error or a pop-up that says this is broken or it redirects to an error page, you can't have that. When you're launching to strangers, you get one shot to, to make a good impression for the brand. So it needs to be polished. I'm all about making broken code and iterating and building, building, you know, 90% working. But once you're releasing to strangers, you have to be on point. And it's better to build something smaller and have less features and have it polished and right uh, when you uh, distribute to, to strangers and to, to the public, to new people. Waiting for an equity co-founder. So many people I, I speak with are waiting for the perfect 
technology partner to come along and save them and buy in for equity and build their product, sweat equity, you know, locking themselves in their basement for, for months, building it with for the promise of equity. And it just doesn't happen. Nobody does that. If you're skilled, you're working for Netflix, you're working for Facebook, you're working for Microsoft, Google, you're making $500,000, $750,000 a year. You're not going to work for free for somebody's idea that is unproven. They have an idea. They want to build a product. Every software engineer that can do this has a thousand ideas, has a dozen ideas that they want to go and build on their own time. And they'll go do that when they are when they have that time. But they're not going to work for free for a co-founder that has an idea. There needs to be significant traction. There needs to be maybe a million dollars raised from a VC or there needs to be signed contracts from partners that say, we need this tool. There needs to be significant social proof on the back end to find an equity co-founder. But what I've found a better path is to get an MVP, spend a couple thousand dollars, have a working product, and sell that to an investor and say, hey, this is what we have. It's working. It's functional. Not only is the technology possible, but it is here. I can demonstrate it. I have a website, and you can go from soup to nuts. You know it's working, and we have 100 users, right? And that is an infinitely better place. And then it's and then and then you have the money, you have the social proof, you have some customers, you have some partnerships, and then finding an equity co-founder or a, a CTO that wants to work um, as as a full-fledged member of the company that becomes significantly easier. Um, similar to that, raising funds without a prototype. Going to, going to a VC, showing them an exponential hockey stick. Look at this. You know that my, you know that my product is going to reach a million users. It's going to be 100,000 next month and a million the month after. This potential is huge. We're going to make billions, right? All, you know, that's heard dozens of times a day. It's not compelling. Nobody cares. There are infinite number of markets. There's infinite amount of money to be made. But what has to happen is you have to be an execution specialist. You have to be able to execute. And the way to demonstrate that is have a working technical prototype. Have working software that is defensible. You can say, this took work to make. It wasn't built on Wix. It it cannot be duplicated in a weekend by by my competitor. Google can't step in and and spend a week with one engineer to to build the exact feature and just blow me out of the water. We've spent time. We've spent money. We've built expertise in this. We've chatted with ChatGPT for you know a hundred hours and we've refined our our prompts to be to be exactly what we need, and this is our trade secret. We've developed this, we're defensible, and we have a prototype. Give us money. And then the answer is so much easier to be yes. Preparing for scale prematurely. You don't want to assume that the product that you build in its current form 
will reach a million people. If you create a ton of tests, have rock solid security, have all of the things necessary, you know, full documentation, all the stuff necessary for a company like Google that's that's launching to a million users, you're going to be wasting your time and energy and effort because the product that you build today is not the product that's going to reach a million users, no matter what, because it will change. It has to change. So you want to keep the code base small. You want to keep it nimble. There's no reason to test and, or to have like too many tests or, or lots of lots of test coverage. It's just double work that needs to be changed, you know, on a daily basis. It just needs to keep getting thrown out and added new. Um, we'll have we'll have another episode sometime later on uh, on testing. But don't prepare for scale prematurely. Prepare for prepare for maybe ten times bigger than you're launching, right? You want to launch to hundred users, make sure the site works for a thousand, right? No more than that. Building on all platforms. You need to validate the idea. You don't need to build three versions of your website. Website, Android, iOS, mobile web, right? You don't need multiple versions. Mobile web is usually the best answer for, for most apps. Um, but we can get into we can get into those trade-offs sometime later as well. But you only need to build one. Think about which is the most common and build only that. If it's only Swift in, in iOS, only build that. And then get some users, get the traction, see what features are resonating, and then you can expand out. You can build it uh, React Native or or duplicate and, and go to Android, you know, Android native Kotlin and, and whatever. Don't wait for it to be perfect. Get constant feedback, right? You want your early adopters to be partners with you. You want them to tell you what's wrong. You want them to tell you what they need. And if you wait forever and you say, let's spend six months building this MVP and then have this huge launch party, that's almost never the right answer. Building duplicate features of competitors. In general, you don't want to you don't want to compete on price. You don't want to build the same thing that's already out there. If there's a way to get this done in the marketplace, the same feature, don't build it again. Focus on the unique components first. Focus on the thing that's impossible to get in the market and then see what people will pay. See what, you know, see what, see, find what's unique and only build that, right? Um, yeah, if there's an alternative, they'll, they'll go there. Like they've already met their needs in this other place. And eventually when your company grows and gets bigger, you will have to build duplicate features, right? You'll have to build those because you want to be the one-stop shop. You want to be the only place that they come for these needs, whether it's finance related or, you know, real estate, whatever, whatever it is, you want to be the one-stop shop. But to get those first users, you need to be 
completely unique and you need to draw them in with something new that is a need that's met afresh. Same, same type of idea, building unwanted features, right? Um, you can kind of figure out what might be wanted by using a strategy called painted doors. So if you think about a physical storefront, building a store, a strategy you could employ is painting with just paint a door on the front of your store. And you put it in the middle of town and you say, um, Williams Candy Shop. And you see how many people knock on the door. How many people tried to get in and buy candy from you, right? The door doesn't work. There is no candy in the, in the building. There's no way to make a purchase. But you're, gauge, you're doing market research. You're gauging the interest in your store. You're saying, how many people care about this? How many people want this? What kind of foot traffic is there? Paint the door on the front of the building and see how many people knock. In the same way, you can test features in this way. You can test features to say, this is the widget that we built. Click here to buy it. They click buy. They type in their they you know they type in their credit card number if you want. Uh, they they see the price fifteen dollars per widget. They click buy, and it redirects them to a page that says you know thanks for the interest. We've we've signed you up for our mailing list. We'll let you know when it's available. It is currently not available, but you've seen somebody pay fifteen dollars. They've paid fifteen dollars. There's no ambiguity that they want that product. They've pulled out their wallet. They've typed in their numbers. It is the most clear market research, right? And that way you can gauge what features are wanted, what features are not wanted. There is some brand integrity considerations here. You don't always want to physically have people type in their credit card and then disappoint them and say this doesn't exist. Uh, but it is a strategy that's possible. And depending on your, your brand um, your brand strategy, you may want to employ that, or you may just want to make the page and say, click here to buy, and then you click buy and you say unavailable. Um, so it depends on it depends on how you want to go about that. But painted doors is a great strategy. Um, worrying too much about the choice of, of tech technology stack, tech stack. We have some other articles and thoughts on, on what tech stacks make sense for MVP building. Um, but yeah, the, the point here is get started. Don't obsess over getting the perfect choice. So many engineers love discussing languages and technologies and have strong opinions and just want to talk about it all day. They love solving problems. They like playing chess. They're, they're problem solvers. But what you need is a partner that's a it's a businessman. You need somebody that wants to create impact. And to create impact, you need to just start building, right? And your 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 tech stack choice has to be informed by the business the business needs, not is this an academic language that is wonderful to write in and everybody loves it and I love for me personally, I love OCaml but it's not a practical language to, to write business to, to write business logic and, and business code. Um, 
So don't obsess over the tech stack. Get started. Make it happen, and you can, you know, translating it into the future is not, it's not a make or break. It's not, it's not great, but it's not make or break. Not getting started and not, not finding the features that are necessary, that is make or break. That needs to happen. And then we have a bonus, not staying true to your vision, right? Sometimes you'll launch to five users and one of them will say, one of them will be very vocal and say, I want you to do this. I have these problems, make these features. And an entrepreneur will say, I, I can make those features. I know how to make those features. I can solve your problems. I can, I can, I can fix that. I can make a product for you. But as the entrepreneur that's the expert in a certain field and knows a certain demographic or knows what they want to build, don't be persuaded or, or pushed away from your vision. Don't build something because one or two people said, this is what I want, this is what I need, right? You know the demographic you want to build for it. You know your expertise. Build what you want, right? Because the people that are going to buy your product don't know what they want and aren't going to tell you, right? So ultimately, you have to be the expert. You have to be the one that that knows, and you have to be the one to, to build that. If there's 100 people out of 200 people telling you they want this a certain feature, then you probably want to listen. But... It has to be in line with your vision. It has to be in line with your expertise, right? It might be it might be a good business for somebody else uh, if it's not in line with with your your demographic. But stay true to to what you what you know and what you want. So those are some mistakes that that I see made pretty often, and uh, and how to you know what to do instead, how to how to do it the right way. So thank you for your attention, and we'll see you next time.